My name's Kelsey. I'll be reading the Bible. We've got two Bible readings today. Our first one is from Proverbs 4. It's on page 632. The Bible's in front of you. So, Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 27. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are like life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your eyes directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. And our second reading for today is Matthew 5. So if you want to flip ahead to page 6, or sorry, 968. We are reading from Matthew 5, verses 3 to 16. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light, light a lamp and put it under a stand, under a bowl, sorry. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Thank you, Kelsey. Thank you, Michelle. Good morning, everyone. I wanted to say a couple of things by way of introduction before we start. Um, many of you have been praying for the Alpha course on Tuesday night and I know numbers of people took out uh, invitation cards and Letterbox dropped them. They had a fantastic first night. Um, Suzanne was very excited. Uh, I said, said to me, I think the most number of people from the community that we've had come and join, I think 26 people from the community came who don't come here at all. Um, and she said, uh, people with all kinds of questions and comments about the Christian faith, uh, a very energetic discussion was had. They had a great dinner. And if you could pray for them that they'd all come back for the second week, that'd be great. Uh, but she was very excited to have so many people from the community coming along. And uh, we pray that God works in the heart because we have the best news to share 
that absolutely can change lives and bring them into relationship with God. So I'm going to pray for them uh, before we think about this sermon today on integrity. Father, we thank you for the great start they had and may you draw each one of them back from the community who were here. Thank you for all those who prayed and delivered cards and we pray that we would see many people enter your family and your kingdom as a result of this course and have their lives completely transformed by the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. And Father, be with us today as we think about this very important topic of integrity. May you just strengthen our hearts to live for you in this world. Amen. Let me start with the story. It's about two boys and a single mother. Uh, The boys' names were James and Ray, and they lived around the corner from the local Anglican church. And the mother, being a single mum, had a number of challenges in terms of trying to raise these boys. They were energetic. Uh, They were about, I think, eight and ten years old. Uh, Ray was the oldest. And there were a few behavioural issues at home. And so she thought she wanted to help them learn um, the important topic uh, or concept of integrity because, uh, let me just say, it was a challenge at home. So she thought, I'll take the boys down to the church and I'll get the minister to talk to them about having some integrity and maybe he can talk to them about God and this will help. And so uh, she went and spoke to the minister, would he be happy to do it? And the minister said, yes, very happy to talk to your boys about integrity. Uh, But what I'll do is I'll talk to them one at a time. Probably best if I just take Ray first, I'll take James second. And so the mother brought Ray down and sat outside uh, while the minister began to talk about integrity and he read to the boy Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And then he looked at Ray and he said, Ray, where is God? And what he was wanting to do was teach Ray that God is everywhere and sees everything and that should impact your behaviour. And so the minister's sitting there looking at Ray going, Ray, where is God? And the boy just looks back and there's kind of this growing sense of fear in his eyes and the minister says, Ray, did you not hear me? Where is God? And Ray is now just sitting back in his seat just thinking, oh, I'm not sure what's happening here. And then the minister, after a while, got exasperated. I think maybe the fourth time he asked, Ray, where is God? Now, Ray just is so afraid he just jumps out of his seat bursts out the door runs past his mother and runs all the way back comes inside the house and he says to his brother James James we're in big trouble God is missing and they think we took him (laughs) it's not a true story just in case you're wondering we're in the second week of the living wisdom series and we're looking at integrity. And integrity is such an important issue for us as Christians. And the problem with people's lives and having a lack of integrity as Christians is when God goes missing in their lives. And I've got a number of things to say, but I need my clicker. And the first thing I want us to look at is uh, this simple question on integrity. What is it? And I want you to think, what do you think integrity is? And I'm actually going to stop just for a minute and I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to ask yourself each other, what do you think integrity is as a Christian? 
So with someone sitting next to you, let's just stop for a minute and just discuss what do you think integrity is? Yes, this is a participation sermon. If you're watching online, I encourage you to stop, maybe jot a few notes down. Have a think. What do you think integrity is? Anyone brave enough to suggest an answer? Anyone brave enough? Truthful. Truthful. Thanks, Doug. Real. Real. Honest. Truth. They're all good things. Transparency. Transparency. All good things. Uh, when you come to the Hebrew language, which is the language that the Old Testament is written in, the Proverbs is in, there are two words there for integrity. They both have kind of similar meanings. Uh, the first one is in Proverbs chapter 10, sorry, uh, which I've got on the screen there. And all the verses we're going to look at are on the screen. So I've got a lot of different verses that are from all over. So if you, you're very welcome to get your Bibles out, but I've done the hard work for you today. And that verse says this, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. And that word there means a soundness, a completeness, an uprightness or a perfection. And so you could interpret it or read it this way, whoever walks with a soundness or an uprightness is a person of integrity. And they will walk securely is what Proverbs is saying, but whoever takes the crooked paths, in other words, that's the opposite of integrity, to be devious, to not be truthful, will be found out. Um, The other word for integrity is very similar. It means to complete, to be upright or to be perfect. And Job, in the book of Job, is described that way by God. I've got the verse on the screen there. And God is speaking to the devil here in this intriguing dialogue at the beginning of the book of Job. There is no one on earth like him, that's Job. He is blameless and upright a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity. In other words, there is a completeness and uprightness to him that follows him and makes him through his life. That's integrity. If I can put it together, I'm going to use the words that Pete Kerr has written in the small group leaders notes for the studies we're doing this term. Integrity means being consistent. It's whole and honest in what you say think and do. In other words, it manages to impact all of you. You are blameless. It's important because it positions you as a trustworthy person, someone who is reliable. You have integrity. Now, it's worth comparing this and contrasting this to, if I can say, the spirit and wisdom of the age because uh, I think the way our current culture defines integrity is being true to yourself. Now, let me just say, there is a strength to that, but integrity is more than that. 
And I think what people are saying in our age when they talk about people being true to yourself, they're saying you've got integrity because you're real, you're not fake. And the way you do that is by being true to yourself. And it's seen today the state of being whole and reaching a place where you've got your body, your mind, your heart, your soul are in harmony with each other. And apparently it's arrived at through examining your life and creating rules for yourself that you live in harmony with. Now, this concept of being true to yourself goes all the way back to the 19th century and a famous American thinker and poet, Ralph Waldo Emerson, and he penned these words, which I think is where you get the genesis of this phrase, to be true to yourself. He said, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment, so be true to yourself. Now, there is a great truth to that. We actually do need to be who we are, not who someone else wants us to be. Uh, if you want a more lowbrow, common cultural expression of this, the great Dr. Zeus has a word to say. And I do love the Dr. Zeus books, The Cat in the Hat, and he said this, be who you are and say what you feel, because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't care. <laughs> you hear what he's saying? Just be who you are. And the ones that actually are significant to you will actually accept you for who you are. Now, that is absolutely true, and there is a wisdom in that. But when you come to the biblical wisdom of Proverbs, the Scriptures paint, if I can say, a fuller and more helpful picture about integrity. It's not so much living true to yourself, but true to God and true to His Word. That there's an integration of heart, mind, soul by who you are in Christ. And the beginning of that journey to integrity is Proverbs 9.10, that I quoted from that joke at the beginning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Our integrity starts with God and living in awe of Him. It doesn't start with finding yourself or creating yourself. It's actually about finding yourself in Christ and understanding where you sit in his story and the reality that you are saved, you are loved, you are adopted and you are now a child of God and that is what defines you. That's who you are in God's sight and integrity is having a completeness and living that out in a sound way in the world. And so there's a number of verses in Proverbs that speak of people with integrity. I'm going to mention them through the sermon. Uh, here's the first one, Proverbs 10.9. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. In other words, whoever walks lives in a way that is integrated under God, they will be secure as they follow God's wisdom. But whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Here's another one, Proverbs 11 verse 3. The integrity of the upright guides them. The way they are complete in their understanding of God's word and that guides them through life, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. There is a duplicity about those who are treacherous. They say one thing, they do another. Uh, the word hypocrite is a common word. Unfortunately, it is sometimes used of Christians 
And when people use that word, what they're saying is there is no integrity, there is no completeness to their faith. They say one thing, they do another. And it's interesting, the word hypocrite, uh, hypocrites, comes from hypocrites, which is a Greek word that is used of an actor in a play. They take on a role, then they go back to being who they are. And we're hypocrites when we just role-play Christianity, but it's actually not who we are. There's a different side to us. And we're called to live this integrated life, this whole life in Christ. And that's what Proverbs is saying to us in these verses here. Whoever walks in integrity, in wholeness, in completeness in their faith, walks securely. And when we have that soundness guiding us, we will be in a good place. But how is it expressed? These verses speak of the positive, walking securely, but also the negative, taking crooked paths. And what these verses seem to be saying is that the opposite of integrity is taking the crooked path, the devious path, the duplicitous path in life. Going against what God would have us do. And in particular, as you read through the Proverbs, it's all about how you conduct yourself, I think in two ways, uh, in the world and in your relationships. The way that you will see a person of integrity is how they relate to others and how they conduct their business dealings. So often it is those two spheres. And the way that is expressed, I think, is twofold. And the first area is this, is the way we honour our word. Our word is good. And so much of our integrity actually feeds and is a part of our speech and our words. Now, in the last week of this series on Living Wisdom, uh, I think it's week nine, we're going to look at our words. It's a major theme through Proverbs. And so I don't want to say too much about it, but I do want to say uh, one short thing. Uh, and I want to read this one verse. Proverbs 12 says this, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. And trustworthy people are people who honour their word. There's a completeness to it. There's a soundness to their speech. They honour the promises that they make. They do what they say they'll do. And they are people who tell the truth even when it's inconvenient. Now, we're going to look much more at this later on in the series. But I did want to say just that small amount because so much of our integrity is actually having a soundness of speech and doing what we say. But the second area that integrity plays out in this book of Proverbs and rings true to life is how we work, how we do our business, how we interact with people. And there's two big themes that Proverbs picks up. One is that we would work fairly. Let me put up a couple of verses on the screen. There's both the positive and the negative. Proverbs verse 16, honest scales and balances belong to the Lord, all the weights in the bag are his making. And it is worth recognising that it's a reflection on accounting practices here and dealings with money. And what the proverb is saying is that God is the one who has in complete integrity, honest scales and balances actually belong to the Lord. He has an absolute integrity in how he deals with us. 
All the weights in the bag are of his making. And then you've got the opposite in Proverbs 20, verse 23. The Lord detests differing weights and dishonest scales do not please him. And so having integrity means we absolutely will play by the rules and not try and cheat or get unfair advantages, particularly justly. Let me read Proverbs 18.5. It's not good to be partial to the wicked and so deprive the innocent of justice. There are numbers of Proverbs that speak of this reality that we, as God's people, should live and work for justice. And I know that we have numbers of people here at St Matthews who work professionally in the field of justice. It is a great thing. Uh, we've got a lady at five o'clock, the uh, violinist Hiroko, who works at the International Justice Mission, which Bruce Baird's son Steve leads. They are a great example of working for justice in the world, a great ministry to support. There's others who volunteer their time to work for justice. It is a great thing. And that's what this proverb is saying. We must not deprive the innocent of justice, which means we need to be active in serving that way. And so for those not working directly in justice, ministry and mission, integrity means that you won't unduly favour those in power. We don't act to butter up people in order to win favours from them. We'll have a certain independence from people so that we are not dependent on anyone but the Lord. Let me say that again. We will have a certain independence from all people so that we are not dependent on any one person but rather are dependent on the Lord. And so having a personal integrity in the workplace and community settings will be in part by avoiding taking gifts and favours from others so that you are not captive to their wishes or their manipulation. You actually want to work justly and not for personal gain. And I think that's what this proverb is saying. The wicked are partial, they work for themselves, not for others and their well-being. And when you are actually free from favours, because the problem of asking favours is when you ask something of someone else, you are now beholden to them for what they may want at a later time. And that's why it is good to have a certain independence in our relationships. It's great to do things for other people, absolutely. But be very careful about what you ask other people to do for yourself. Because we want to be free so that when the occasions arise, we can help those who need it and stand up for the issues for those who have no voice and work for justice. Let me read you this proverb. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it's in your power to act, do not say to your neighbour, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you then, when you already have it with you, i.e. now. And that's what people of integrity do. They actually work for good in the world and for justice and they help people. They don't withhold their capacity, their ability to help others. And it's fascinating, when you look at the major charities in this country, one thing to encourage you is, I think nearly 90% of them are faith-based. Because this is actually how we in the country are seeking to live, not withholding good from those from whom it's due, those who need it. 
Now, why is this important? Let me give you two reasons. First is a biblical reason. And in the Bible reading, um, I had two readings. One was Proverbs 4. I just wanted to have a section read because the Proverbs on uh, integrity are kind of scattered. And it has one of my favourite verses, 4.23. The heart is a wealth from life, so guard your heart. But in Matthew 5, if you've got your Bibles there, open up with me. Um, It says these famous words. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. This is chapter 5, verse 14. 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Living with a positive integrity where we are free in terms of obligations to others so that we can then bless others and do good to others brings great opportunity for the gospel and jesus says here let your light so shine by your good deeds so that they may see them and glorify your father in heaven and i want you to think with me biblically when you get to the new testament we are called to go out and preach the gospel absolutely great commission go make disciples acts chapter 1 verse 8 go and be my witnesses now the reality is if you go through the new testament there's only really about five maybe eight at max, commands to go and speak the gospel and preach the gospel. But when you come to the topic of doing good in the world, do you know how many times in the New Testament letters we are commanded or encouraged to do good in the world? I counted 30 times. So absolutely, we want to go out and speak the gospel to people, absolutely. But the major encouragement and command for us is to do good in the world. Here's a classic one. Sorry, I should have had that up before. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your what? Your good deeds. And glorify God on the day he visits us. There is this positive wholeness, completeness about their faith. They are doing good. They are living as God's people in the world, reflecting his love and his grace for those around them 30 times 30 we're told to do good and i take it when you do that it opens up opportunities to speak the gospel and fulfill those commands it's out of our integrity we witness to the world it is so essential one of the great damaging aspects of gospel ministry today in when, is when the church has not had integrity and people look at us and they say we are hypocrites and when that has been the case they don't want to listen so biblically we need to be people of integrity who are doing good in the world and mirroring the reality of who god is and his grace and love but secondly culturally Two years ago, the McCrindle Group did a study. It was called The Impact of Faith on Australian Society. And if you're not familiar with Mark McCrindle, he's a Christian, but one of the leading social researchers in the country. And he very regularly researches as a Christian the impact of Christianity and faith in the country. This one was done two years ago. The results came out 12 months ago. 
And you can see on the screen the major finding on this area. 65% of Australians, he discovered, are more interested to explore the Christian faith when they see, what? Genuine faith being lived out. And I would, if you want to put a different description, a person of genuine Christian integrity. We are genuine in what we believe. 65% rather strongly or somewhat attracted to explore the faith when that's the reality. The country of Australia needs to see genuine Christians living their faith with integrity. And when we do that, it will give opportunity to share our faith with people. And when you see Christians living without integrity, it's because God is missing from their life. When you see people living with integrity, God is bubbling over in their life and directing their life. But let me finish with the third thing I want to say. Um, when you live with integrity, it can be costly. Imagine you were one of the partners working with Peter Collins at PwC and he shared that information with you. And all the colleagues around you thought, great, we can make a mozza here. How would you have reacted as a Christian? The last verse on integrity in Proverbs is up on the screen. The bloodthirsty hate a person of integrity and seek to kill the upright. As a Christian, we absolutely need to do the right thing. We need to be honest and we need to speak up and say what is true. We need to care for those who have no voice and speak up on behalf of them and work for justice. It's what the Proverbs teach. And on occasions when you do that, you'll be actually running completely against the grain because people don't like it when their gain, their money, conflicts with Christian values. Let me tell you the story about Kath's uncle Russell, the brother of Dudley Ford, for those who know Dudley. Uncle Russell, Dudley, his family grew up in poverty. They lost everything in the Depression. They literally had nothing except the shirts. I think he had one or two shirts growing up, Dudley, and I imagine Russell was the same. They would have to pray for food to appear at the door. One of the things that marked them, I think, growing up was a great industriousness. They knew they had to work hard, but they also were very bright and very entrepreneurial. Uh, Russell rose very quickly in the ranks of business and was running a business and reported to a board. As the business developed and went forward, the board made a decision to change direction and take on a new line of work. Uncle Russell was deeply convicted by God that this was not right both morally and ethically. That as a company he was called to run, he thought it was absolutely wrong for them to be doing it. So what did Uncle Russell do? He bravely went to the board and spoke to them and said, I don't believe this new direction is what we should be doing. I think it's wrong ethically and I think it's wrong morally. What do you think the chairman of the board said to him that day? Thank you, Uncle Russell, for pointing that out. <laughs> no. He said, thank you for your service to our company. You can tender your resignation as you leave. 
this room. And he was sacked. Now let me say, that would have been very difficult for Uncle Russ. He just moved on and God honoured him in him taking that tough decision. He bought a business that was underperforming and absolutely turned it around. He retired early in his 50s, having made a significant amount of money. He could have made a lot more. He said to my mother-in-law, Elizabeth, what's the point of having all this money? I've got enough. To do something in his retirement, he took up art. He did three lessons. After three lessons, they had to bring an art piece in. He brought his in, the teacher looked at the art piece and said, you can leave the class, I have nothing more to teach you. And he was a brilliant artist, God-given, and he would create all this artwork. I went and saw it when we first got married and uh, he had 15 works on the go at once. He would sell them all and give all the proceeds to his local church at Rabina on the Gold Coast. And he was heavily invested voluntarily in the ministry of the gospel there. And he used his time and energy in his early retirement to grow that church. God looked after Uncle Russ as he stood for him and maintained his integrity. And that's what we are called to do in this world, to have a completeness, a soundness, as we live according to God's word and we live to honour him in this world. And when we do that, God will honour us. It might be tough. It was very tough for my Uncle Russ. But God got him through. And that's what we're called to do, to be people of integrity, where God is not missing from our lives, but he fills our life with love and truth and grace that radiate from us. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. And Father, help us to be people who, in all things, there is an integration, there's a soundness, a completeness to our faith that guides us through all of life, particularly in our dealings with people and in the world. And may we represent you well. May we do good works. May we work to help those who are poor and needy. And may your light shine through us so that the gospel may go out from us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.